Luke 2, 1 through 7. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken in the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. He went to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she, he and she, the baby for, to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest rooms available for that. Thank you very much, Libby. Good evening, everybody. So great to see you this evening. You know, we began a series that we're culminating tonight on Christmas Eve night by saying Christmas is the biggest celebration our world knows. Think about it. All around the world, people are stopping tonight. People have actually been stopping and like changing their daily routines for about a month now. Parking lots are filled, right? Highways are filled. Airports are filled. People divert their normal schedules to do parties and write cards and all. It's the biggest worldwide celebration, and it all culminates tonight. Tonight's it, Christmas Eve night. When I walked in the building this evening, I received, just as I walked in, I received an email from a Marine. He's in Baghdad. And when he's here, he comes to Grace. And he just emailed me to say, I just walked out of Christmas Eve service in Baghdad. I was with a bunch of soldiers and contractors and people from all over the world. And we're 500 miles from Bethlehem. And we are there worshiping together. And he also said this because we're online live with this. And he's maybe watching now, Greg, if you're watching. He just said it's so great that he could connect with us here in Northern Virginia, in Washington, D.C., and be a part of what's happening, you know, at Grace. So today is a culmination of a huge celebration that's going on around the world. So what Libby just read to us uh, is the uh, story of the birth of Jesus Christ. And a few verses after that, it says this in Luke chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. That part catches me every year. Peace. On earth peace. There's peace. There's a verse in Isaiah written hundreds and hundreds of years before. It's in Isaiah chapter 9. It's a famous Christmas verse from the Bible. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And then here it comes, Prince of Peace. So tonight is the night when we talk about the Prince of Peace. Peace has entered the world. I've been thinking a lot about peace recently, you know, tonight being the night that the Prince of Peace is born, and exactly what does that mean? Because as I think about peace, everybody, and I'm sure you do the same, there's not a lot of peace in the world. So I have to think to myself, have I misunderstood something? Where have I missed the point? Because the Prince of Peace has entered the world and peace is upon us, right? And there's great rejoicing about peace, but there's not a lot of peace in the world. And another reason I'm thinking a lot about peace and the fact there's not peace in the world, I'm also thinking about my world. So the world, I'm thinking about my world because my world that I live in for the last year hasn't been filled with a lot of peace either. It's been a difficult, it's been a difficult year. Uh, my father-in-law, Big Russ, passed away this past year. And uh, for those of you who have been around Grace for a long time, you know, we called him Big Russ. He was every bit of about five foot three. 
And he was the head usher, greeter, whatever you want to call it. He was the guy. He, he was better known here at Grace than I was, right? So uh, for 17 years, because today is our birthday, we're 17 years old today as a church, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, it's great. And for 17 years, Big Russ, you know, he manned the door and he passed away this past year. In August, my brother-in-law who taught in Graceland since almost the beginning, he taught in Graceland before we called it Graceland, he passed away this past year. We had our parking lot that usually is right outside those doors. For those of you who are relatively new and you don't know any different, you just, oh, this is the way it is. They walk up the long sidewalk, right? You feel like you're walking to Bethlehem tonight as you came here, right? You're like, this is just the way it is. That's not the way it is. Usually there's this big parking lot right here. That went away for us this year because they're building the school. It'll come back. It will come back. Hopefully it will come back in about a year, year and a half from now. We'll have a ton more parking spaces out there. It'll be great. But during the construction phase, it's tough. And so it's been, it's been a tough year. My daughter had two surgeries uh, this past year, which is really tough on us. So all these things are hits. And then in this past June, I had, I had something, you know, happen to me, which caused me to have an extended period up until this day of what the doctors, they don't really know what to call it, disequilibrium persistent dizziness. We're not sure what to call it, right? There's something wrong and we don't know what it is, right? So they've ran all kinds of tests like we can't find anything wrong with you, but they wanted to rule out something uh, with my heart. So they wanted to do a tilt table test on me. Anybody here ever had a tilt table test? Ah, I see that hand up there. We had somebody in the 430 right about that same place. That must be the tilt table area, right? (laughs) So I had the tilt table test that's why I have a stool back here just in case. So if I sit down, I start feeling this thing, whatever I get is, whatever. So I did this. And when they first said, we're going to give the tilt table test to you, I just had a picture in my mind what that would be. They said, we're going to strap me to a table and then put me in a bunch of positions. And in my mind, just a minute, I thought, oh, I'm going to strap me to a table like a propeller, right? And they're just going to spin me around, all kinds of stuff, right? This is going to be crazy. That's not the tilt table at all. Uh, what they do is they do strap you to a table like you're Frankenstein. And they, they, you know, they're measuring your blood pressure at all times and your heart rate. They get probes all over you, right? And you're strapped to this table and they bring you up at a 70 degree angle and you have to just stand there for 20, for 20 minutes. You're just standing there. And um, the doctor's talking to me and he was a big Redskin fan. And so we talked about the Redskins, which just added more pain to my problem. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Just people were coming in at the 4:30. So congratulations! I'm like, ah, I don't even want to hear it. You know, when they lost to the Cowboys a few weeks ago, I closed my heart to the Redskins. I, you know what I'm saying? Oh man, I, I just could, I can't trust them anymore. Anyway, let's get back to the tilt table. So you're standing at the 70 grand, 20 minutes, no problem. It's a piece of cake. They're writing writing lots of stuff, but nothing's going on. All of a sudden, 20 minutes in, everything changes. They spray nitroglycerin in your mouth. Yes. Do you know what that does to you? I had no idea what it does to you, but I found out real quick. And about five minutes after they did it, it causes, it makes your blood pressure crash, basically, and you, it force, they're forcing you to pass out. And so they don't tell you that up front, but they're forcing you to pass out. They didn't want to see how you, right? And so in the aftermath of that, in the aftermath of that whole thing, it's like made all of my issues, my disequilibrium even worse. So sometimes I have to sit on a stool and I've been to tons. I've never really been to doctors in my life. Now I've seen 15, 16 doctors for this and it's just, it's just amazing. I started to walk out after they were done, you know, with this thing. Like, hey, okay, you're done. Everything's great. There's nothing wrong with you. 
you. Your heart's great. Everything's great. You're free to go. And I got up to walk out, and it just fired everything off inside of me. And I'm holding on to walls, walking out. And eventually, I had to say to Krista, I think you're going to have to push me out of this hospital. So anyway, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm doing better now. But this has been a year that's lacked a little peace. I don't know about you, but... Uh, there's, it's lacked peace for me. It's been tough times. And so I've been thinking a lot about peace. Where does it come from? And exactly what did Jesus Christ come to bring? Jesus Christ was born into a world in chaos, a world in external chaos, but he had inner peace. So the word in Scripture is shalom. You've probably heard of that before. Shalom. You know what? Sh- this is really important. Here's what shalom means. Shalom means inner peace regardless of what's going on around you. Hmm, now it's starting to make sense. So it's an inner peace. So, so the peace that the Prince of Peace brings, because some people say, you know what? Wait a minute. Jesus came in the world and, you know, he's bringing peace, but there's no peace. So there's something wrong. He, how could he be who he says he is? Because he says he brought peace and yet there is no peace. What he brought was inner peace. He brought a shalom. And shalom is inner peace regardless of what's going on outside of you because you have been made right with God, because you now are in a right relationship with God. So there's the technical part of what peace is. Now, Jesus Christ was born into a world without any peace. You think about Christmas Eve night. What was it like? We try to dress it up and make it nice and sweet and beautiful, but it was a difficult night. First of all, it started off with what Libby just read a few moments ago, right? There's no room for you. That always hurts, doesn't it? I mean, it's kind of rejecting. No room. Think about it. You know, there's no, you're not, you can't be here. Some of us this past year, we've experienced a difficult breakup. Somebody looked at us and said, it's not you, it's me. And you're like, yeah, right, right? There's no room in my life for you anymore, and that's really, really painful. Some of us have um, experienced a time where we didn't get picked for a team or a job or a school that we really wanted to get into. We didn't get invited to the party or the dance. No room never feels good. It never feels good. And that's the first thing that Jesus Christ entered. The Prince of Peace entered that world. And it wasn't very idyllic. We think about a red barn and a glowing fire, right, and clean hay. But the reality is the hay was filthy, the fire had went out, and it was an idyllic red barn. In Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, you know, where the manger was, basically it was along a roadside and there was a rock, kind of like a little cutout in the rock, and they would put the animals and put the hay right there. And so when Jesus entered the world, he had pedestrians and farm animals to greet him. It's like, hey, Mary, keep push, push, right? That's what it was like. That's what it, okay, this was a difficult, this was a difficult situation. There was external peace was not to be found. So we got external peace, we have internal peace. Christmas is about the incarnation. We talk about this time of year being Advent. For those of you who have been around church a long time, you're like, oh yeah, Advent, Advent, the Advent season. I always used to think about the Advent season. Yes, this is when Jesus has entered the world. That's Christmas. It's not. Advent, the word, means to look forward to when Jesus returns again. Christmas is the incarnation when he dove into this world, so to speak, to become part of us. So we're stuck in between incarnation and Advent. And incarnation is internal peace, right? Advent, his return is when he comes back as the conquering king because he's going to conquer everything that frustrates you so much about what's happening in the world. But my issue is this. I don't know about you. When I think about peace, the first place my mind goes to is external peace, not internal. I'm, I'm really interested in external peace, but that's not on the menu. And that's the hard part. 
That doesn't mean we're not supposed to hope for it, pray for it, work for it, and do all those kind of things, but it just really helps to know what we're really talking about here so we could focus on things. We don't, my family, we don't go out to eat often, but when we do, like if, 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 if there was a chance, like what restaurant would you go to if you went out? Where do you most likely go if you went out? It's, it's going to be Sweetwater's. And some of you know where Sweetwater's is. It's, it's at 50 in the Beltway, right? It's part of that American restaurant chain. Anybody ever know what I'm talking about? Okay. So if we go, we go there. And about once, about once a year for about a two-week window, they do strawberry shortcake. And my wife loves, Crystal loves strawberry shortcake. So we always... When it comes that time, we say, do you have the strawberry shortcake tonight? And 99 times out of 100, they always look back and say, no, no, it's only for a two-week two week window. And so I'm tempted sometimes when we walk in to say, now, you're going to ask at the end, but it's not going to be, I don't want you to, see, you to be disappointed, okay? So let's just say it's not on the menu going in, okay? It's off the menu. I want to say the same thing tonight. What Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, is offering us tonight on Christmas Eve night, that wonderful counselor, mighty God, is an internal shalom, a peace. Now we can really, really focus on how do we experience what Jesus Christ is offering us once we know what's on the menu. Does that make sense? So now I'm asking myself this question, right? Because I've experienced a year that has little peace, and I'm experiencing a world that has little peace. And now I'm asking a question. What does the Bible say about how I experience that internal peace? And that's what I want to do in these last few moments. I want to laser focus in on that. Welcome. So Jesus says in John 16, he's talking to his disciples. He's getting ready. He's getting ready to go to the cross. He's getting ready to talk about chaos. He's getting ready to break out. And he talks about peace. He talks about the Holy Spirit. It's to your advantage that I'm leaving. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And he says these words. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. And then he says this. In this world you will have trouble. Well, that means the external world is going to be in chaos, but we can have peace because of what's going on on the inside of us, this inside. So Galatians chapter 5 says this, talking about the Holy Spirit, which is what Jesus was talking about. It says the Holy Spirit produces peace in us. In Romans chapter 8, it says our minds are kept in peace in the midst of chaos by the Holy Spirit. And in Romans 14, it says, what is Christ's kingdom really about? It's really about peace. And how do we have that peace? By the Spirit. So the question becomes this. How do we experience the Holy Spirit living inside of us so that we now have peace? How does that happen? It all, becomes, it all comes down to that because that's where all the inner peace that the Bible is talking about. This is what Jesus Christ is about. God says in Ezekiel 36, I'll put my spirit in you. Well, when? How? How are you going to put your spirit in me? Am I going to walk down the street and all of a sudden, zappo, it's going to go in me? No, it's very specific. It's when we enter into a right relationship with God. It's when we believe in what Christmas is really all about. And that's what I want to try to unpack in these next few moments. It's all about the foundation. We're calling this sermon tonight a stable foundation. It's all about the base. It's all about the foundation that we build on. You have driven by buildings before, and you know a big building's going up. You see a big hole in the ground, right? You've seen this before. It seems like they're down in that hole forever. Like, when are you actually going to start building something? I see the hole, right? You're messing up traffic. There's mud all over the street. When are we actually going to see something come out of the ground? And they're down there forever. And all of a sudden... When it starts to come out of the ground, it like shoots up and there's like 10 floors overnight, right? 
Why did they spend so long in the ground? Because they had to build a strong base. The foundation had to be right. And if we're going to experience inner peace, we have to understand something that is so unnatural to us tonight in order to experience the peace that the Bible talks about. Okay? So that's why this is so specific. Some of you want to get a golf club. For, does anybody here want to get a golf club for Christmas? Anybody? I see a couple hands. All right, a couple hands went up. There's still time. <laughs> Might happen. All right, so if you're into golf, what is it, what is it about? You, you, it starts at the ground up. You've got to have a strong base. If the base, like if you're trying to golf like this, right, this isn't happening. You'll never have a good golf because it's got to be about the base. Some of us want to get a baseball bat, right? If you want to be a great baseball player and you want to have, it's about, you've got to have the base. When's the last time you, you saw somebody baseball player like swinging like this. Do you see that in the major leagues? No, because it's all about the base. It's all about the base. I played basketball was my sport. And so some of you maybe want to get some basketball shoes. Here's what our coach would yell all the time. Get a wide base. It's all about, oh gosh, I think somebody sang about this. It's all about the base. If the base isn't right, if the foundation isn't right, it's not working. So we must talk about, we must talk about the base tonight. Christianity, everybody. Christianity in so many ways makes so much sense. I want you to think about this. It makes so much sense. Be a good person. Yes. Don't you want your neighbors and coworkers to be good people? Right? Of course you do. Right? Forgive others. Don't be bitter. Don't you want to live in a house with somebody who forgives easily? No, you don't. Isn't it a beautiful thing to live in a house where somebody forgives? Does any of us, don't raise your hand, do any of us live in a house where people don't forgive easily? Don't raise your hand. Don't elbow anybody. It's difficult. So love and respect and give and forgive and be a good person. By the way, don't lie and cheat and steal. It just makes sense. Yes, of course. You want to work with people and live with people who embody those things, right? Because that just makes life better. And so it just, it just makes total sense. But the foundation, everybody, of Christianity is polar opposite. The foundation, everybody, of Christianity doesn't make sense. It actually makes zero sense because it talks about the polar. Now, do you eventually do those things because you, because you out of joy? Yes, 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 you do. But the foundation is something completely different from the building itself. And that's where the Spirit comes in. Now, Santa Claus can help us with this, okay? And you can also help me with this. This is audience participation time. So what is Santa doing tonight? Santa is making a... Say it like you mean it. Santa's making a... He's checking it to find out if you're naughty or... And that makes sense. Doesn't it make sense? If you're not nice, what do you get? Big lump of coal. Big lump of coal. And that's good. I'm good with that. That's fantastic. Yes. Deserve a lump of coal or whatever on the nice list. And that just makes sense in our world, in my mind, in your mind. That makes sense. If you're on the nice list, you get a gift. If you're on the naughty list, you get the coal. Okay? Makes total sense. Good people. Be on the good people list. Every survey. You ready for this? Every survey I've ever read about this issue right here, every survey I've ever read about this issue right here, do you believe that there's room for you in heaven? Do you believe that you deserve to be on his list and that you're right with God? Do you believe that, you know, you're not perfect? I mean, you're not perfect, but 
you're on the list. You know what I'm saying? Every survey I've ever read, well over 90% of the people all say yes. Check this out. You ready for this? Atheist, take the survey. And they're like, well, I don't believe in a God, but if there was, I know I'm on the list. So what does it tell us about ourselves? It tells us that we have a lot of faith in ourselves. I'm not perfect. Oh, I know I make mistakes. But deep down, I always make the cut. Deep down, I mean, I don't know if you guys are going to make the cut, but I know I'm going to make the cut. That's what we're all saying. It's kind of like that survey that was done of people. The insurance companies did this survey of people who were in emergency rooms getting treated, right, for an accident, a car accident that they caused. And they surveyed them and said, do you think you're a good driver? Almost 100% said, absolutely, yes, I'm a good driver, right? So we have a lot of faith. We have a tremendous amount of faith in ourselves, right, that we can be there. Salvation Army, we're thinking a lot about the Salvation Army this time of year, right? We see them as we walk into shopping malls or grocery stores or whatever. Do you know how the Salvation Army began? began a couple hundred years ago with William and Catherine Booth. And what they decided, they were doing a traditional ministry. They were uh, at a church, and they decided, you know what, we are going to go outside of the walls of these church, and we're going to go to a group of people. Here's the key point. They went to a group of people, specifically a group of people who said, there's no way I'm on the list. There's no way I could ever make the cut. There is no way that he ever has room for me. And they went to them and said, good, good. You're perfect because now you can shift. Since you have no trust in yourself, you can put 100% on Jesus Christ because what the foundation of Christianity is about, it has nothing to do with us being good people. More than likely, some of us, this is just, 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 just by human nature, by human nature, if you go around and you ask somebody, what is Christianity? He says, well, you follow these rules. There'll be many of us that'll walk out here tonight because this is so weird. This is so weird. This is so unnatural to us. We'll walk around. What did, what did he say tonight? He said, be a good person. He said, the way to have the Spirit come into your life is right. You follow the, all the rules in the Bible. When actually, it's the exact opposite. Where the Spirit comes into our lives is when we take the Bible and all of its rules and we say to God, I can't do any of this. And so William and Catherine Booth, they went to Salvation Army. They went to people who said, you know what? I, I can't trust in myself at all. I, I would ne I never, I would, there's no room. I would never make the cut. And the Spirit of God entered their lives. And people who were living in extreme chaos, because the people they went to were living in extreme chaos, they lacked any peace, were filled with a peace that passed understanding because the Spirit, that's when the Spirit comes in, is when 100% trust is on Jesus. Not 90% not on Jesus and 10% on me. But 100% on Jesus, oh, the Spirit entered them and, and the Salvation Army grew exponentially. And people had a peace that was phenomenal and it was contagious. And it just, to this very day, it just grew and grew and grew and grew. I want to read you a, a scripture that really pulls all this together. Ephesians chapter 2 says this. How have you been saved? How does the Spirit enter your life? Because this is what, you know, so much of Ephesians is about. How do you experience inner peace? How do you experience the Spirit entering your life to produce that peace? Here's how. You have been saved by grace because you believed. You did not save yourselves. It was a gift from God. You are not saved by the things you have done. That's not what I was told all my life. I've been in church all my life. You are not saved by the things you have done, so there's nothing to boast about. 
This is when the Spirit comes into our lives. Let me say uh, one last thing, and then the uh, music team is going to come up and lead us in this beautiful, beautiful Christmas hymn, Silent Night. I'm going to tell something that I actually said at the beginning of this series. I just want to bookend it by saying it again tonight because it's the best way I can explain it. I don't mean to be, there's absolutely zero disrespect for other religions. I'm not saying that at all. I don't believe, I don't, I don't even think it's, it's not even a fruitful discussion, like comparing religions that way. I'm just saying to give a distinction, okay? So there's my, there's my disclaimer. Every great founder of the great religions of, of the world, it, it functions in an extremely similar way. There are things that you do. There are instructions. There are instructions about how to get right with God. There are instructions. The Ten Commandments, the Eightfold Path, the Five Pillars. This is just foundational religion 101. This is, this is what it's about. Now, I want you to picture, if you will, with me for a moment. If you're in a swimming pool and you're drowning and you cannot, you cannot swim, Here's the way religion works. Here's the way religion works. The founder of the religion stands on the side of the pool and gives you instructions on how you can get yourself out of the situation you're in, right? Float on your back, swim harder, do this. Discipline, focus, do this, do this. It's instructions, it's instructions. Christmas is about something we call the gospel. It's about news. It's not advice about what we do. It's news about what has happened, and here, here is how Christianity is not a religion at all. You could make a very strong case that Jesus Christ came to end religion, but that's another sermon, okay? What is Christmas about? We're in the pool. We're, we're, we are drowning. The, the last thing in Jesus' opinion that we need is for somebody to tell us how to float on our back because we're, we're not going to make it. And what Christmas is, is we're going to sing in a second. He's a savior, it's like a lifeguard, a rescuer, savior. Christ, our savior is born. Not our helper, not our coach, not our golf coach. We're so used to coaches and mentors and instructors, which is awesome. But he's our savior, which means this. He doesn't say, do this, do this, do this, do this. No, 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 no. He dives into the pool, grabs us around the neck, and if we will receive it, drags us to safety. That's what lifeguards do. I just hope when you leave here tonight, if you don't know anything else, you'll know that what Christianity, the basis of Christianity, the foundation, the stable foundation of Christianity about, it has nothing to do with what you do. Because that would mean you're trusting yourself. What Christianity is, is when you put 100% trust in him, that he has dove into the pool and rescued you and pulled you out. Well, could you locate your, your light? We wish it was a real flame, but we're in a school, and they won't let us have a flame. But I, I want to promise you, it will be beautiful. We we're going to dim the lights, and we're going to sing Silent Night. So would you please stand with us, turn your light on, and sing. You all sounded beautiful. Tonight is a, a big night. It's a really big night. Uh, it's the birthday of Grace Community Church. It's also Jesus' birthday, which is a big deal too. But uh, it's, the, it's the birthday of Grace. And um, you know, we started 17 years ago 
Boy, my, my daughter was a baby. She was a, just a year old, and my son was five or six. And, uh, you know, we say this all the time. We really mean it. We stand up here every year. If grace is anything, we're a family. And we love you guys, and we appreciate you, and we want you to know, uh, we want you to know that. And we want you to know that we pray for you and think about you all the time. And we just want this new year coming up, 2018, to be everything that God wants it to be for you and for your life. And I'm going to pray about that in just a moment. Let me say this. Some of you, for the first time tonight, when I was giving that illustration about Jesus Christ being a lifeguard who jumps in to rescue, that picture went into your head and you said, yes, rescue me. Rescue me. I want to be rescued. And maybe that's never been clear to you before. I can remember when it became clear to me, it was a life changer for me. And I want to encourage you as I pray tonight that you would just in your own way there at your seat, silent to yourself, you'd say, Jesus, rescue me. There's no better night to do that. God's love for us is incredible to think about. What is a story, it's a story unlike any story that has ever been told. God comes to rescue us because of his incredible love for us. So I encourage you to pray that. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for all of our family in this room tonight. I thank you for those watching online, our family all around the world. Lord, our soldiers that are in places all over this planet, bless them, be with them, protect them, Father, please. Lord, for those of us tonight, we, that, that picture is in our minds right now, and we can see you, Jesus. We never thought about it this way, but we can see you diving into the pool to rescue us. And for those of us right now who are saying, yes, rescue me, Lord, may your spirit fill us in a way that we could have never imagined tonight. Tonight, may your spirit produce an inner peace in us that passes all understanding. May it be powerful and palpable in all of our lives to the honor and glory of Jesus Christ. Lord, I ask your blessing upon every single person here. May your will be done in each of our lives in 2018. Watch over us, Father. May we walk in your light. In Christ's name, everybody said, Amen. Amen.